Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I am joined by Leah Garvin. Leah is the author of Unstuck, Reframe Your Thinking to Free Yourself from the Patterns in People that Hold You Back. Leaning into nearly 10 years of experience working in some of the largest and most influential companies in tech, including Microsoft, Apple, and Google to explore the power of reframing to overcome common challenges found in the modern workplace. She is a TEDx and SXSW speaker and has been featured as a guest on WGN Chicago and WJLA Washington, D.C. News. She was also recognized by the National Diversity Council as a 2021 DEI champion. I don't know that all of our listeners know what all of that means, but you certainly sound very accomplished, Leah, and I am excited to have you here on the show so we can talk all about how to get unstuck. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Absolutely. So what we'd like to do is just get started first and foremost with your own burnout story. So walk us through what happened for you. I know you said you're kind of just wrapping that whole thing up yeah. as we speak. So it's very timely for sure. Yeah. So um over the last few years, um, you know, I had a I had a vision. I was working in the corporate world, as it says uh, in the bio. Uh, um and over the last few years, I wanted to start um, building a consulting business about how to help teams um, reframe common challenges and ended up being the theme of my book, how to help establish more inclusive and effective team dynamics, um, how to do more coaching and things like that. And, you know, uh, I started doing that while doing my full-time job. And so I wrote a book, I would wake up five in the morning and right before my daughter woke up and then go back on the computer uh, after she went to bed and doing that um, seven days a week. Uh, also um, in, in, in that process wrote uh, and delivered a TEDx talk um, and started to build this consulting business um, or I would do stuff either, you know, offline or, or off outside of work hours while doing a full-time job. And, and for the first I don't know, two years of it. I just was like running on full speed and any sort of free moment in my day, I would use towards putting like, make it productivity center, do it, do it. Do it. And when I launched my book this April, um, people would say, how, when did you do this? How did you do, how do you make time for this? And I was like, yeah, I just, you know, you get up early. And it started to hit me over the last few months, like 
just because I could do all of these things and become kind of constantly exhausted did not mean that it made it was sustainable. And I think what hit me was a few weeks after launching my book, um, my, my goal was to actually move out of working in corporate after that. And then I didn't. And I stayed going to my day job. And then another week and another week and another week went by and I felt really unsettled internally. And I, I realized I had been fully depleted. I was fully burned out. And I started to not really, I was like caring less about this dream that I was building outside because I was just so like, it was too much stuff to focus on. And it hit me, um, in, in June that I was going to have to make a choice that it wasn't sustainable to do all of the things at once. I was totally burned out and, and was feeling like I, you know, this is kind of the moment in which I had to make that call. And so I actually left my corporate job. Uh, Friday was my last day. This is my third day (laughs) on my own. So yeah. And, and I think making that choice, um, it just sort of clicked into place. Like, okay, yes, this is what I would be focused on that. There's a lot to figure out, but there was a lot of ground I had already laid. And, um, the, like the kind of cognitive load capacity is able to free up just by making that decision, not having to straddle those two worlds, like already in the first few days, it just feels different. Like there's going to be stuff to worry about and, and stress about the business development side is, is, you know, a new area, but, um, I think what I know I have stepped out of is this really burned out, just like doing it all kind of stay above the, above the waterline piece. So in a word, ironically, you got yourself unstuck. I went and got myself unstuck. That's right. Yeah. 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 Which which makes you a great candidate to help other people as well. Yeah. Um, But from everything you shared so far, it certainly sounds like you are a doer. Yeah. Do you know that about yourself? Is that, does that resonate? 100%. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that we talk about here is environmental stressors as contributors to burnout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's kind of interesting is sometimes people burn out because they take on too much. Um, but then it can also be because you've got all these environmental stressors. And in your case, it's kind of like a a mishmash of the two, right? Because what do I mean by that? In addition to working essentially two jobs and writing a book, that's all the doing. Yeah. You're also raising your daughter and writing a a TEDx or delivering a TEDx talk, right? And you're doing it seven days a week. Yeah. So certainly a lot of doing happening, but also things outside of just your career, there's other aspects of your life. And so all of it demands time and attention. Yeah. Feel like it's taking some of your energy away to the point where you've worked so hard to build up this side and you almost kind of lost it, right? You're starting to stop caring about it. Yeah. And what's, you know, to add to that, I think this is probably another dimension is, the work that I do is around helping people feel better about their work, more included, more effective. And so there was an emotional sort of piece of that, like a frustration of, well, working with people that felt so stuck and so frustrated that I, I, I 
also felt that way. <laughs> like, you know, there was all these layers that I think in getting, in, in removing myself a little bit to take a step back, I could actually serve people in a, in a more whole way because, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, refilling thy cup, <laughs> you know, for myself where I can be kind of, okay, well, let's look at this now in a bigger way, not kind of also in it. I think it gave me a lot of, um, to be also in it and having that experience, I really can see where that's showing up for folks. I think there's a lot of value there, but you don't got to be in it forever <laughs> to, 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 you know, there's still value to be gained now taking a little bit of a step back. Yeah. So in a sense, it's almost like you created this niche of getting unstuck perhaps to help yourself get unstuck you know, I mean, it's, it served you as much as it's yeah, people, which is for sure. Happened. And I mean, the whole book is really, um, based on my own experiences with these 12 dimensions that I talk about from navigating feedback to negotiating, to decision-making, to talking about our work. And, and really it's looking at, well, you know, why did I feel stuck? What was happening here? And, and as I was coaching and mentoring and, and connect with other women, I saw, wow, I'm not, I'm not alone in this stuff at all. We're all feeling in yeah. really similar ways. Um, and so, but yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the stories and, and examples and, and tools are things that I tried and either worked or didn't work on me and had to try new approaches. And, and so that's really what I share in the book. And I get to imagine that feeling that stuckness can contribute in and of itself to burnout because yeah you feel that sense of fulfillment you feel like there's a sense of despair and like it's not it's not getting a, accomplished in the way that I want or it's not resolving itself and it's like a groundhog's day type of experience can you speak to that a little bit yeah and I think um that's what I see with a lot of the folks that I've worked with and talked to is this feeling of I've tried everything and it's not working or I just, I don't know what to do other than this. And so there's this, I think you start to burn out when you, because you keep trying. So there's like an exhaustion with that. And, and I think with things like, um, you know, looking to do a career pivot or you keep applying and do jobs or, and like, it's just not landing. You kind of start to feel like, all these inner critic, not good enough, or maybe it's me and all these different sort of thoughts start to come up, which also consume a lot of that cognitive energy and that, um, and so it's just draining to continually feel like whatever you try isn't working. And, and I think, um, one of the areas that I, I noticed shows up a lot in the workplace that I connect to burnout in the book specifically is gaps in accountability and how oftentimes, um, when work isn't getting done on a team or in a, in an organization, folks that step up to try to help and, and get things done, they end up getting overly taxed because people think, oh, okay, someone else is solving it over here. And so, you know, from reframing our, our understanding of accountability from either, you know, picking up the slack or blame or punishment, something that people sort of avoid or actively avoid, I should say, to ownership, we actually can reduce burnout because everybody's really clear on what their role is in keeping an organization functioning. And I found, I think the times when I felt most burned out and depleted in my regular work before working on all these, you know, side things was when I felt like I was going above and beyond, but other people weren't. And yeah. noticing all these gaps and 
okay, I'll just, maybe if I just do more, maybe if I just do more, right. I think that's often a common theme too, that can burn us out because you reach a point where more isn't better. It really isn't. And it more just actually creates this diminishing return cycle for yourself. I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of my clients are clearly high achievers, but also um, very, very smart. So they have a lot to contribute and they're happy to do so because they lead with their heart. But when they don't feel appreciated or they see some sort of injustice, that brings on so much resentment and that contributes 100% to burnout. So I think it's an important dimension to talk about. Now, I know that uh, with regards to getting unstuck, Uh, you have some myths that you want to debunk for us. Yeah. So first myth, um, you know, the concept that I talk about, the central theme of the book is reframing or looking at a challenge through a new perspective. And the first myth there is, is people thinking, well, do you just mean looking on the bright side? And so I think myth one, absolutely not. Reframing is not looking at the bright side because there is not a bright side when we're talking about, especially in the lens of the book I talk about, the experience of women in the workplace primarily and, and double standards, biases, these limiting beliefs that we often take on because of these situations, these factors, these forces, that's not, it's not like a look on the bright side when you're talking about bias and discrimination. Absolutely not. It's saying, Hey, this is the context while I'm pushing against changing at work, doing that in a greater scale. How can I operate within it so that I can still achieve my goals and I can still be successful and not fall into these patterns and beliefs around that feedback is a criticism and it means I'm not good enough. Right. Like, so I think that's the first myth. First myth is thinking when we're talking about reframing, it means chin up, look on the bright side, you know, just say a positive affirmation. No, it's about saying, what is another way to look at this problem? And then what else is available to me there? So I mentioned feedback, you know, Um, feedback, I think is one of the hardest things we deal with in the workplace because we have such a, you know, conception around it, that it means it's a criticism or something you've done wrong or some, something someone doesn't like about you. And when that's our perspective, any feedback someone shares is going to be like, Oh God, like, what is it? You know, when someone says, can I give you some feedback? It's like punch in the gut. If we said, okay, what's another way to look at this? Not bright side. Another perspective is feedback is information about how another person is perceiving me. It's not right. It's not wrong. It may not be good or bad. It's just a data point. And so that reframe can start to um, build a little bit more comfort. It can, it can take this thing off of feeling like it's about us and our worth and put it kind of out there in the middle. Yes. One of the biggest things that uh, my clients struggle with when it comes to these kinds of things, and when we're talking about reframes is personalization. Yes, exactly. Where something happens and then they make it mean something about them. And that brings up so much negative emotion. And one of the things that I share with them is 99% of the time, it's not about you. Exactly. Exactly. So what if we were to reframe the situation where you're not part of the equation? What would that look like? Yeah. That completely changes the outcome. Absolutely. And literally now that's my myth too. <laughs> 100%. As you said, I said to people, we think it's about us. It means I'm not good enough. It means, you know, I'll never be able to cut it. I'll never have this. Yes. So the re- my, my myth number two is it's not you, it's your approach, right? Or that's my myth bust of the you. And so I say that to folks exactly as you've said, when you change your approach, you change your outcome. And so, um, you know, that 
when we take ourselves out from the center of it, as you just said, we see, oh, okay, you know, for example, um, you know, applying for jobs when I was sending out my book proposal, when I was applying into TED conferences, rejection, rejection, rejection. Then you say, okay, I believe in this idea. I've gotten feedback that like, I'm on to something. There's, there's, you know, uh, there's been a signal that I'm on the right track. How else can I change my approach? And a lot of times that means enlisting help. And so in situations for me, I've gotten a coach or I've asked for more feedback or I've changed the way I'm positioning myself for my content. And just like that, you see the outcome shift. And it's an, it's just another reminder when you shift your approach, like a whole nother set of outcomes become available to you. And, and I think especially as people are exploring career pivots and transitions and all these things to say, if something's not working a bunch of times, that's the signal that the way in which you're doing it is the, is the thing that, to re-examine. It doesn't mean you should give up or you're not the right person. That's a really positive message. I think if somebody is listening to this right now and they feel really stuck, yeah, it's an opportunity to really look at what are you doing that doesn't work yeah. and what other potential possibilities exist that you haven't explored yet. Yeah, exactly. And so that brings me to this third thing I want to share. <laughs> another another myth bust reframe is. A lot of times we ask ourselves when, when we're feeling stuck, when we're feeling frustrated, we get into this zone of wanting to like analyze it and get to the bottom of it. And we start asking ourselves why questions, why did this happen? Why did they say that to me? Why did they do this? And the, the ego and the inner critic is like demanding an explanation and it's never going to be good. It's always going to be defense. Right. And so, um, I would say the myth is believing if we keep analyzing it, we will get an answer that isn't something we've already thought of. And very rarely do we come out of this wide defensive space in somewhere productive. A lot of times it gets into um, feeling worse, feeling more hopeless, feeling more burned out, exhausted from all that thinking about, you know, this thing over and over the rumination. And so um, the, the antidote to this myth of wanting explanation is reframe our questions from why to what. And instead of why did this happen, saying, okay, what else might be possible? What else might be true? What else might be going on with that other person, right? Bringing empathy into the picture, because then we're looking expansively at moving forward, like what else is possible as opposed to let me go backwards and kind of still feel terrible about that thing that that's in the past. And I think there's, you know, if, if, if someone's wondering, well, what if I want to learn from that thing that didn't work, work out or, um, what could have gone differently is a definitely still sort of like suggest some def, some some learning there. I think it's about why me space is the part that can get really um, problematic and make us feel really like, again, we're at the center and there's something wrong with us. But what could I have done differently? What could we have done differently as a group? What else is out there are things that you can look at the behavior and the work as opposed to you and, and your identity, self-worth and things like that. And this is actually so important. I just want to highlight this because so many people do get stuck in the why me and they feel really victimized by their situations and they feel like there's nothing that they can do. It's so disempowering. It really is a recipe for getting stuck. And I love that you gave this tip of reframing it so that instead of asking the why question, 
you're asking a what question that allows you to move forward instead of just thinking about the past and like all the things that have already happened. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's like, you know, it's, it's not blaming like victim or the victim or victimizing it saying, Hey, this thing is, this is a frustrating situation. This thing isn't good. It's not okay. It's not what I want for myself. Um, and saying, okay, so what else do I want? Right. And so it is about moving forward. It's not about discounting that experience. It's not about, um, not being able to sit with that pain or frustration about a rejection or a setback. It's saying, okay, yeah, this thing, this thing wasn't how I want it to go. This didn't, this isn't where I want it to be. This is making me feel stuck. So now what? So it really is, it's about moving into action. So now I'm thinking about your story and your tips and how they all kind of come together. And, you know, you mentioned how you were in this process of juggling a hundred things. Yeah. And that's what brought you the burnout and really feel kind of stuck with low energy and loss of motivation. And then you realize that you can reframe your situation. You can uh, change your approach and that by taking steps towards uh, maximizing your results, right? What you really want, it sometimes means like in your situation that you take a risk and you leave yeah. the security of your full-time job and everything that is familiar and certain and you take that leap. But it's like when you're straddling both of those worlds, that's really where a lot of burnout happens because yeah. it's just too much for any one person. Yeah. Exactly. So I love that um, there's this piece here where you can actually reflect back on your own story and share that along with these tips, because I think uh, a lot of people do feel stuck. They have this sense of despair because Mm -hmm. maybe they have tried so many different things and nothing's worked. Yeah. They really don't know where to go next. I love your, also your idea about working with a coach, because I think that is sometimes helpful, especially when you've tried everything, you know, what to do and you're still not getting results. Part of what a coach does is they're supposed to look to find your blind spots. Yeah. Sometimes it expedites your entire process by having somebody show you exactly what's getting you stuck. It could be a mindset piece. It could be an approach piece, like all the things that you've mentioned Yeah, could be history yeah, right? like the victimization piece can go way back into your childhood and there could be some repetitive patterns that you're stuck in. So being able to work with somebody who can help you see exactly what's happening and give you a blueprint to move out of it is certainly, I think, part of the puzzle. So yeah. uh, thank you so much for coming and sharing this story yeah. and all of these fantastic tips. Is there anything else you want to kind of leave listeners with? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned the the risk that I took and I think for many of us at many, you know, points in our life or whatever situation we're in, we can't take that risk to leave something. And I, and I would say really acknowledging, well, what, what kind of risk is right for you that will help you move forward. So maybe it's yeah. taking a risk of taking a new, a class, right. Or, and, and learning a new skill. And then that starts to open a door or maybe it's, um, 
you know, asking, okay, I want to become a manager. Is there some mentoring I could do? So asking to take a risk in a project or new space at work. Um, maybe it's launching a side hustle while you're still, you know, in a, in a, a full-time job, which is, is what I did. Maybe it's, um, yeah, doing a little bit of writing or, you know, I, I think there's a lot of times when, you know, we need to really, there's a lot of considerations that make it hard when it's about like, you know, the job change situation. But I would say a lot of things, um, there's a lot of risks that we can take that maybe we haven't realized are those things that will propel us forward. And I think a lot of it is getting in touch with, well, what am I really excited about, interested in, passionate about? What's something that I could do to fuel that? And then that starts to paint a picture of, you know, what a new direction that you might take would be. So I just want to say there's a lot of ways to, to I think, take risks towards getting unstuck. Sometimes it's about a job change. Sometimes it's just about, yeah, learning a new skill or, or taking on a new kind of work. So. And to add to that, uh, and to bring us back to an earlier point that you brought up, asking for feedback is taking yeah. a risk, but it's yes. something that can also help you get unstuck. That's a huge, I love that. I love that. Cause that's like the first place. I mean, if you, if you're not able to really if you don't have that comfort talking about feedback, it's going to be tough working with a coach or doing or, or being self-reflective with all the stuff that we've talked about. So I think I start my book actually with, with feedback because I do think it's, it's the first place to start is forming a better relationship with being self-reflective, recognizing the difference between, you know, your own sort of, you know, thinking through things versus inner critic telling you can't do anything. <laughs> Those are very different. And um, so, yeah, taking feedback is a risk and getting better at it is a risk and it's all worth it. So if somebody's listening to this and they maybe want to work with you, where should they go? Yeah. So I think first place to start is to check out my website, um, www.leagarvin.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn on Instagram at leah.garvin and on YouTube, I have a channel where I talk about a lot of these concepts for my book channel is reframe with Leah. But yeah, if you're interested in working together, either as individually one-on-one -on -one coaching or for your team workshops and consultation for a team, uh, start with my website and that's a great place to get in touch. Fantastic. And we'll also link to your book. So anybody who is yes. interested in reading it, I think it's a worthwhile read. Uh, that would be great. So we talked about how you had all these balls that you were juggling and clearly you are a doer. And so for all of you doers out there, I'm curious, what are you going to take away or what maybe are you going to do differently based on Leah's tips and strategies? And, you know, you may not be just a doer. Maybe you're a thinker. So for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? Right. What are some reframes that maybe you can use to help change the way that you think about your circumstances. And if you're a feeler, how did hearing this story make you feel? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Please help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. 
If you are ready to take the next step with me to decode your burnout, go to decodeyourburnout.com. I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.